Hey guys, this is Laura, and welcome back to Let's Chat Healthcare. Hi, Lori. Thanks for joining me today. Laura, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Um, can, but you have a podcast, right? Can you tell us first just a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yes, I have a podcast. It is called Sailing Through Life, and it is an empowerment support podcast for anybody who's gone through a challenge uh, medically or just in life in general. Um, because I'm a two-time cancer survivor, I created this to be a way for people to feel less alone and find mm -hmm. hope in what they're going through. I think that's a great resource for people because where else would you find that information, you know? Sure. Yeah. Anybody who, you know, has been on the show that's a cancer survivor or has gone th through something that is traumatic, um, it, it is nice to hear someone else saying the, the things you're thinking mm -hmm. and uh, normalizes that a little bit so that you're not, it, it just takes away a lot of those layers that compile mm -hmm. when you have something going on. Um, so you kind of mentioned a little that you have a history in healthcare. Can you talk a little bit about that and um, kind of what your journey was? Sure. Uh, back in 2017, I was doing my thing. I was at the time working in a funeral home and uh, there was a lot of stress involved in that job. You don't think about it when you actually attend a funeral, what the chaos is going on behind the curtain. Um, but, you know, my daily job was dealing with families who were grieving and at the loss of family members. There was a lot of trauma and, and drama that, that went along with that, just the, the sheer span of emotions. And, um, you know, being in the office, I did see a lot of, of information. I dealt with the doctors and, and the coroner and things like that. So I did get to see a lot of the documentation, the death certificates, and, and I just got used to seeing certain things, you know, throughout the years. But in 2017, I went in to get a, a mole looked at by a dermatologist and they did a biopsy that day and went back to work. And I just had that, that really bad feeling from the mm -hmm. get-go. Um, and then dealing with people who see what happens to cancer patients on the worst case scenario, obviously. Mm. Uh, but, you know, then I started paying attention more and more to what people were passing away from. And so this is all going on in the background. As I do my job, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And it seemed like a long time. It was literally a couple of days before I got the call back that said I had a malignant melanoma. And um, I think just because of where I was in my mind with everything at work, that it spun me out. And mm. I, it was bad. I couldn't even function. I had to call my husband to have him pick me up from work. And I had been through a lot in my life, but that was the thing that brought me to my knees. And so my journey began that day with how to fight this. Um, once they did the testing and I had to have the uh, sentinel lymph node checked and it, it came back positive for melanoma. So I had a, a spot on the side of my leg by my knee and I had 
that lymph node in my groin came back. So I ended up having surgery and a year of treatment. Um, and it, you know, you just, there was a lot that I, that went through in that short period of time. There was a lot that I had to learn. And when it came back that it was stage three, um, we took things very seriously. Can you talk a little bit about, um, what stage three meant to you at that time and what melanoma meant to you? I learned a lot. It's not like a, if somebody said you had breast cancer, you'd have kind of a knowledge mm-hmm. of that. That's what I was thinking. Melanoma, you're like, okay. I've so, heard the word before, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you you hear it and, and not even that much because it wasn't anything like there was a, a family history with that. I you know there were some surface skin cancers, but that seems very general. Mm-hmm. Uh but yes, when when you heard the melanoma word, that was there was a lot to understand. And of course, you know, I had to do the Google, the no no. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> but saw also all the- some a lot of people say that that's a no no. But also another thing is like, where else? Like I don't feel like there's a good resource to get the information. Like, mm-hmm. well, like you have to know which websites to go to. I think. correct. I don't. Correct. I think I don't think Google is bad, but like just. Just like well, if note. you Google the right way, and that's what I was going to say, I, I exactly. went through <laughs> Google the and, right way and, and tried to find support organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main one that I just went to, like American Cancer Society, just to decompress, just to vent with mm-hmm. all the the overwhelm that I was going through, mm-hmm. and you know, eventually started finding different forums, and that scared me. Because there were people that were sharing their stories that were like the worst case scenario. And I I didn't want to be stuck there. I Mm -hmm. had to kind of find my own way. Um, There were a couple other places that I went to for support. But I had to kind of do it. I was protecting myself from learning too much because I didn't want that to be my experience. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to have a better understanding of it. And I personally was extremely blessed with my surgical oncologist, the first day I met her, um, she welcomed me to her practice. She gave me a huge hug. She said, we will be friends for the rest of your life. Mm. And that was her approach was, you know, she's the doctor and she's going to help me. But she's she was there to support me through that challenge. And that that made a huge difference. And then once we got to understand where we were, what my diagnosis was, then mm-hmm. she related to a medical oncologist. And I started, you know, from that point, um, I, I started treatment. And, you know, so she saw a lot of stuff. And the, one of the more important things she really told me was, this is not the bomb that you think it is. Mm-hmm. Y- you always have to approach this with, this is where I'm at. And now we have to find an answer, mm-hmm. but it's not, don't treat it like it's the end of the world. And so from that kind of point of view, I really started moving through that, which became inevitably kind of the mantra to get through because just months after I finished that first year of treatment, I finished in October. I had a clear scan in November. I had my port taken out, which I we never got along. It was always a, a very frustrating thing to have, 
I got that out in December, and three weeks later, I found a, a lump in my groin, and it was mm. back. So we had to start all over. And that's where, you know, that it's remembering to keep things in perspective. You have mm -hmm. a team of, of people, and you have the opportunity to get second opinions and make a, a, the best educated decision you can, because there's not a, a book that somebody's going to open up and say, here's where you are, and here's what we do. There's, mm. there's not that. Because everyone's journey is so, like you're saying, so unique and right. so different. And you can read about others, but that doesn't mean that that's your right. journey. And I think I really liked what you said where you like make it your own journey because you are in charge of it. And how do you advocate for yourself and get the second opinions when you need mm -hmm. them? And But I bet like just all that it sounds easy like when well it doesn't sound easy but I bet all that along with the emotional and mental add-ons of how taxing it can be is mm -hmm. is just so difficult to navigate well and I can say when I was originally diagnosed yes it floored me I remember there were days I just lay on the floor and cry because you're just mm -hmm. like, your whole life kind of flashes before you, all the things you thought you were going to do down the road, maybe you're not going to do. There was just that whole grieving loss, emotional thing that you went through. But then you had to pull up your big pants and actually now function in, and live your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we met with the medical oncologist, uh, they, we decided that the best place to go for, you know, what to do for treatment was uh, an immunotherapy that was just recently approved by the FDA. And I mean, like within two weeks recent. Oh, wow. And so I was kind of like a guinea pig on this a little bit. But at the same time, you're kind of, you, you only have so much time. When somebody tells you you have cancer and it's stage three and it, there's an immediacy to it, you can only research so much. You can only try to, I mean, you're just totally, it's like starting a job that you've never even thought about having and mm -hmm. needing to make a decision in two days, what you're going to mm -hmm. do. Um, and like a huge decision that will Yes, yes, your life, life is hinging on this. So figure yeah. it out and call me back. And it's like, you don't know what you're doing. You know, learning the ropes with insurance, learning the the whole procedure. People act like you've done this all your life because they work in that atmosphere. But when you're new to it, it really helps to have somebody say, I know this is overwhelming and, and we're going to help you the best we can. If you need anything, please let us know. And, and that was kind of a rarity um, outside mm -hmm. of the surgical oncologist and her willingness to, to be there. And I didn't take advantage of it. And that's something I learned early on is to respect that relationship and, you know, not overuse that because I'm sure they're, they're used to that, you know, that group of people that always call all the time about everything. So I tried to be really conscientious about how much I did and corresponded. Um, mm -hmm. But if there was ever an issue, I never felt like I was putting somebody out. And when this, I had this reoccurrence, the team that I had was actually very conducive to a second opinion. And actually the doctor I went to for the second opinion spoke to my medical oncologist I currently had 
And they were trying to figure out the best way to do this because they both had different ideas, different approaches of what they wanted to do. And, and so that was neat to see a team. It wasn't a competition because mm-hmm. I had to orchestrate this. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with this and I'm not comfortable with that. So you two get together and figure out what it is that I have options to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about what you're saying is like, it was you working with the surgical oncologist who was you working with both the doctors that you went to see and mm-hmm. you guys both against whatever you're trying to fight. It wasn't like you, which it definitely can feel like sometimes for patients, it wasn't you versus the doctor. You guys were on the same team. Right. Absolutely have to feel on the same team. And if you're not feeling it, um, then you need to move on. And consequently, when I went through this second immunotherapy treatment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it was two years back to back. That's a lot of stuff going through your system. And, you know, the the blessing of the immunotherapy was the side, you know, less side effects. You're not going to lose your hair, all this stuff. But during the second year, I started losing my hair and I had started having some different things come up and nobody knew enough about the drugs. So it was still early on. So it wasn't in clinical trials, but it was still new enough that they didn't have a lot. And it was interesting. Every time I went for a treatment, they had a, a questionnaire I had to fill out of what my symptoms were because they were still trying to understand it. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, it, nobody that understood sounds a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Nobody understood why my hair was falling out. And then it started turning white. And um, and then my medical oncologist, when we finished treatment, um, as we were getting to the end, he uh, he said, I'm, I'm retiring and I'm going to have you see somebody else. And when we started seeing the new doctor, I didn't feel that click again. And mm-hmm. we ended up moving away. And so we, instead of going back and forth, you know, every six months for follow-ups and traveling, I decided to find somebody in the new town I'm in. And um, it was a a fluke that I was watching a symposium through AIM at Melanoma. Uh, They're they're a very big organization, very supportive. And they were interviewing a couple of of specialists and uh, this one doctor said, I would never do this, that, and the other. And I'm like, great, that's what I did. Well, this is not good. And so I was very, I got fired up about that because Mm -hmm. I'm like, why would you say you wouldn't do that? And there was no data backing up any research to show that that would work. And so I ended up meeting with him and he's now my doctor and he knows where I'm coming from. But, you know, I've had a few scares even since then. It's not it's not a, a one and done kind of situation. Cancer, even if you are, are no evidence of disease, is still something. And, and that's hard for people to understand who haven't gone through it. That's mm, kind of a lifelong journey. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, so you went through the first round of treatment. You Mm -hmm. got the all clear, you got your port removed, and then you found that lump in your groin. And then you came back and did the new, the newly approved. That was the first time was the new one. The second time was a variant of another drug company's version of, it was similar, but different. 
but it's close enough in the same approach. And I think it was just the thought was to piggyback what I already had to mm. extend the dosage and perhaps it would uh, do something a little bit different. But what I found out was they're similar enough that it was just basically giving the same drug twice. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there was, there were a lot of radical options for that second time around, you know, was it the, the heavy duty drugs that would end up needing me to be on steroids for the rest of my life? I mean, there were some really big decisions to be made. And, you know, through all this, I had to work full time because my insurance coverage was through my employer. Mm. So I had to figure out what treatment to get so I could keep working so I could pay for and have coverage over. And that's where this is all, you know, we're talking about healthcare and, and insurance and all this craziness. That's where, you know, the reality of what a, a health diagnosis boils down to. I, I feel like I'm learning so much by what you're saying about what the experience was like and things that you learned through it. So mm -hmm. you, so you went through that therapy. What happened after that? When I got all clear the second time around, um, you know, it, it was interesting to finish and that would have been February of 2020. I had big plans to celebrate making it through this second round and mm -hmm. uh, COVID hit. So mm -hmm. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. And I was very frustrated by a lot of things. And, you know, obviously it was very serious. It was a pandemic. Something I read on a death certificate multiple times a day was it was the death due to a pandemic. And I'm like, this is so outdated. They shouldn't even have this on here anymore because, you know, it, that's you just envision that like, 1800s or 1700s when this pandemic hit and and here we were using that that checkbox living right in the middle of it yeah yes crazy. and so um yeah it was it was just interesting and i was frustrated by this whole hiccup in you know i just made it through <laughs> all this and I, all i wanted mm -hmm. to do was go off and and enjoy myself and i was denied that and and now the, you have just, to survive a pandemic right Right. And it was very scary because you, you know, even though it's immunotherapy, which boosts your immune system, it actually takes the brakes off your immune system. And, and so it has to be monitored because your body can turn on itself. And so they have to do a lot of follow up. I get a lot of blood work done and things like that to make sure that nothing's going awry because when you, your body doesn't understand when to stop with mm. the immune system. So it, it starts attacking healthy stuff too. And so that's something you have to keep on. Um, so, you know, I was just going through this whole thing where I'm trying to work. There's a pandemic. I'm trying to stay safe. Um, I, you know, I, I've just come off this whole roller coaster ride of, of what I've been through. And I thought, you know, the, what is the one thing that I noticed that was missing? And this is the, usually the, the inspiration for a lot of people to discover things is, what did I need that I couldn't find? Mm. And I thought, you know, I have a voice and I know how to share things and I have my experience. And so I started brainstorming. And because we're sailors, we had, we had a little YouTube channel for family that, that nobody in our families really do any boating or sailing or anything. So it's kind of disconnected. 
And so we thought we'd put a little thing together to explain what we're doing on the boat. And um, I would do a little voiceover here and there. And everybody's like, your voice <laughs> is so calming and, and soothing. And we just love, you know, even if we just listen to what you're saying on the videos, we enjoy it. And I thought, wow, okay, so I can do something with my voice. And I thought, what's this podcasting thing? You know, <laughs> what is this? So I started understanding a little bit more and trying to understand what I would talk about, how I would approach it. And so it was born that summer of 2020. I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to start doing this. And uh, I did. And the first episode went out in November, uh, just trying to approach this with maybe a different perspective or I don't know. I just I wanted to be able to reach people and share what I'm curious about, share mm -hmm. what answers I've found, share what I've learned over this course of the five years now. And, you know, it, it can be anything from speaking to someone who's gone through it as well, to somebody who's, you know, working as a professional to help people through it. And so it, it's just, a, I want it to be so relatable that it's not overwhelming for people and they can possibly get something out of it. Mm. Well, I definitely feel like you have a lot to share from what you went through. I mean, you talked about how you have a, had to navigate insurance, like that in itself mm -hmm. is a huge thing to understand. Um understanding it, working with it, trying to advocate for yourself in a crazy world that yeah. you knew nothing about beforehand. Um, what What is something that you have learned that you wish you would have known at the start? <clears throat> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, tickle. Um, one of the things I would say would be one of the most important things to understand is that you shouldn't feel ultimately directed by what the insurance company says and and not get caught up in that. When I first had the, my first port put in that same day, I got a call from the cancer center saying that the insurance denied treatment. After I just went oh through that gosh. experience oh that same day, within hours of coming home, oh I got that gosh, phone call saying, horrible. yeah, they denied it. And I said, so what's going to happen? And they well, were going to make some phone calls. I said, I did not just go through this for nothing, you know? And and so navigating that, like you're saying, the the horrific experience of just that in and of itself was trying to understand insurance and, and how that all works, but not get overwhelmed because you know, there are people who deal with this on a daily basis that can make that phone call and do all that um, mm -hmm. and not get overwhelmed by the the charges on a bill after you have your first treatment. When I saw that one treatment was $19,000 mm -hmm. and, and it was interesting when, you know, we were navigating this whole how much is this going to cost and how are we going to do this? And if they denied it, are we going to be able to pay for it? You know, and I had family members say, we can, we can give you some money. And I told them how much one treatment was and I needed 26 treatments. Yeah. Wow. The reality hit, you know, so it's not to get overwhelmed by that. You know, there's, there's options, there's way to do things. 
There's support groups that, you know, provide some sort of financial. There's so much out there, but in that moment, I had no clue. And when I understood how much this was going to cost, it, it blew my mind. And then to have to go, go ahead and do it again a second time and not understand, you know, what that was all going to impart. But it was the financial side of it that was really overwhelming. And it's unfortunate that you feel like you're kind of held captive, I guess, in a way, mm -hmm. with how to take care of yourself and be healthy. There wasn't anything I did that caused this to happen to me, but I felt like I was being punished in a way because somebody was saying yay or nay on the other end. Mm. You know, somebody else was making a decision whether my life was worth it or not to provide this coverage. And also just having the energy to advocate for yourself oh. while you're going through the treatment. Just yes. like energy it, to and be you know, to I for me personally, I kind of withdrew and I, you know, I went into my fighter mode, just kind of, I'm going to do this kind of thing and I don't need anybody's mm. help. Mm. Um, that's, you know, that's the way I kind of survived through this. And so I didn't go outside of myself out, you know, with my family or explain anything because I didn't understand what I was going through and I was definitely not going to be able to relate that to someone else. Mm-hmm to the level of where I would go, okay, you get it. And so that's where I started finding people that had been through similar situations and, and not as, you know, to complain about it, but to vent and then to regroup. So I had the strength to keep doing what I needed to do to fight this mm -hmm. because the stress is, you know, kind of a bad thing when you're when you're sick so your body yeah. doesn't have enough to to process what you're going through and then you add stress and then that compiles so you it's definitely want to relieve that. that that adds so like you're saying so much stress onto something that is already right so overwhelming and, right. how, and, and like how can we make that a better process so like someone like you feels supported in those mm -hmm. moments i that would be my biggest complaint would be, I'm not asking for a handout. I wasn't asking for something to be free. I was just asking for help to understand this. And, you know, I know what happens in the medical field. You have to, you, you get complacent with understanding and, you know, being able to relate to people because you deal with it all the time. I did that in mm -hmm. the funeral home. I saw what happened where you have to kind of put blinders on because you cannot get so caught up in every single person. I get that. But there is a compassion that has to happen when you're dealing with people who have no clue. And as much as you know what you're doing all the time, it doesn't mean they know it at that same level. You know, mm -hmm. it was, it felt very condescending at times when you asked questions because you had no idea what this all meant. And mm -hmm. so that's why I said you, you learned so much so quickly and the fact that you're not feeling well and you're doing things you've never had to do and you've got extra, just extra weight on you trying to figure out how to get through it. It was just counterintuitive. You would think you'd be laid up in bed and you'd have time to just relax and rest. And it wasn't that. It wasn't it was that. I mean, I had the recovery and time. Handling appointments. And right. Yeah, I had the recovery time after surgery. You know, because I had drains and all that kind of stuff that I had to keep my leg elevated. Um, and, and, you know, 
crutches and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the side effect of the surgeries and the lymph nodes that were taken out of my groin, I ended up with lymphedema. So then I had to get another medical apparatus, a, a pneumatic pump that helps to get the fluid out of my leg because my lymph system has been disrupted with all the surgeries. And so I had to learn all about that. And, you know, it was just, it's ever evolving. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it would just be that compassion side of when you are dealing with people and, and what they're trying to explain to you and how they're trying to do it. Um, it, it just, it didn't want it to feel belittling. Mm. Um, and understanding that, yes, you do do this every day, but right. this isn't the everyday for the patient and you don't necessarily have to, you can't put yourself completely in their shoes every day because you're going to get burnt out. But just having that compassion, like you're saying of, hey, this is not their everyday. They don't right. understand. I feel that all the time when I'm working sure. because I'm in the emergency room four three times a week so it's almost my every day and then right understanding that the people that come in this isn't there and I and I'm not I'm not lying here I literally tell myself that when I feel myself getting burnt out when mm -hmm. I feel myself getting frustrated I just sit there and tell myself like you know the system well I don't know it but you work in the system you see how, it a different way yeah and how how do you expect like, I don't feel like we have good education out there for the healthcare system and how to right. navigate it. And like, right. that's the thing that helps me prevent burnout because it's like, where do you expect people to learn about it? Like, there's no, there's no place for them to under, be able, like you wish they knew something, um, but there's no place for them to learn it. No. So it's not on them. Right, right. I, and I, I would say anybody who's, been through a, a medical emergency and you you know when you leave that situation you can you can go back and say well this person I totally did not like they they was just like checking off boxes <laughs> a on a list and and you're out of here and then there's the people who took that extra maybe five minutes maybe that made you feel like everything's going to be okay even if they didn't know it was just planting the seed that everything's going to be okay changes mm -hmm. the dynamic dramatically when you're in a situation. Just that humanistic approach yep. of this yep. is not just a port being accessed. This is a life saving treatment being given. Right. And how do we keep that perspective? Right. Um, now that we're kind of talking about the healthcare system more in general, mm -hmm. can you talk about how your perspective on the healthcare system changed from before these events to after and it could be in a good way or just sure. like a different way well it was it's going to be quite a contrast because before i was diagnosed the most i did was go every year for my annual checkup mm -hmm. that's it never which had is a already bone. a step ahead of what a lot of people I know. Do. never had a broken bone never had anything crazy i mean i had two stitches one time and that was it and so I really didn't have a lot to reference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to say it's like the difference between seeing something on TV, TV and, and really living it, but it really was. I was living in TV land. Like everything was such a, a way you, you walk into the hospital and, 
and they, you know, this whole scenario happens and everybody's pleasant. And, and the reality is, is you're walking into something and, um, it, it's, it's totally different. It, it's totally different. Um, yeah, I, I would say the, the biggest thing I saw before was, you know, just kind of low key stuff. And then the after the, the specialists that come in and the, the detail of what people have had to learn to do their jobs and relating to them respectfully and, and getting that back, um, you know, as frustrated as you can get, you also have to realize these are human beings too. And so as much as you're triggered by things, they might be as well. And, and I know they're in a, mm. in a profession that they have to do certain things, but it's still creating that respect and understanding that, you know, everybody's dealing with your care and, and what's the best way to team up with that. Um, I think the lack, like I said earlier, is the not relating to people as not knowing anything. You just assume everybody understands everything to the same degree. And so when people are talking, you know, medical terms or experiences and not making it understandable to the average person, that, that makes you feel bad. Like you don't want to ask questions because like, oh my gosh, I should have known that. And I can't ask more because then they're going to know I didn't know that. Um, you mm. need to be able to speak up and feel comfortable about it. Um, so if you don't have that person that's helping you, then um, you definitely should search that person out. But I would say that, you know, in those two contrasts, what I saw was TV land in my mind before, and and then it was like reality TV <laughs> in the after of just the the messiness of it. There was just no clear cut answers. I I would have thought when you get diagnosed, they they sit you down, explain all your options, and it just felt like you were whisked up, and it was just a whirlwind that happened um, of what to do and how to do it, and it seemed very immediate. So there wasn't a lot of time. There's a panicky feeling that happened. Um, and to know I was diagnosed and on the August 24th and I had my first surgery on September 7th. Wow. That's so quick. (laughs) Yeah. And my first, I had the port put in beginning of October and started treatment in the middle of October. That's it. I mean, that was the window of time that I had to process all this. Well, I really appreciate what you said about um, uh, two things about what you said. The first thing is like having that mutual respect for each other, both like we talked about from Mm -hmm. the the patient and also understanding that the healthcare worker is also a human and doesn't know everything and isn't perfect. And how, like you're saying, you expect everyone to know everything, but like how, like, how do you navigate that as a team so you can come together? And yeah, and, I also, and, oh, go go ahead. I was going to say, I think your your perception is when you walk into a doctor's office, they're going to look at you and say, "Here's what you have. Here's what we're going to do." Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. you're hinging on every word they say because you don't know, and so you're you're relying on them to have all the answers. And what I've come to learn is. You walk into the room, they say, here's what you have. These are my ideas. What do you think? And you work out a plan. It totally changes that dynamic. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say next, just to learn that you have those options. Mm -hmm. And like 
being able to make that decision. Like, I'm so happy that we have the healthcare system to have these amazing resources that we do have. And how, imagine like trying to navigate this without those, it would be crazy. But I think a lot of people think, like you're saying, that it's this happens and this happens and this happens. But like we kind of said at the beginning, it's so unique to the person. Right. It's so unique to medical history, even just like male versus female, mm-hmm. age, everything factors in. And I just think that it's a lot of, I'm thinking about, yeah, it's a it's a lot for the healthcare worker to be able to help the patient navigate, navigate that. But it's mm-hmm. so much for the patient to have to make that decision. Right. <laughs> and having not, for someone that hasn't worked in healthcare, having to make that decision with the information that you learned in the past couple of days is just, it's got to be a big, big stressful moment. Very much so. Very much so. And, you know, I'm yeah. like I said, I'm grateful. I'm still here to be able to talk about it. I'm grateful that there's ways to share this so that someone else can benefit from the mm-hmm. experience, approach things maybe a little bit differently to alleviate some of these issues and to, you know, you can only, you can hear it so many times, but it's that one time that actually clicks. That's where (laughs) I hope this is, is the one time it's like, oh my gosh, I totally get it now. You know? Yeah. And like, for me too, it's like, I really just want to make sure that as a healthcare provider and as a patient, we're on the same team, Mm -hmm. we're coming together, we're going to give you the best chance that you have to fight this and do it in the best way for you mm-hmm. and just navigating how do we do that is exactly exactly yeah well um i think that was a lot of heavy information but i think it was good <laughs> information <laughs> i think these stories like like you're saying about and like you do with your podcast like these stories need to be out there and this just awareness around these types of things because I don't think there's enough out there about what's going on, what happens, what it's like, what the experience is like, especially for maybe new patients that are just at the start of their journey. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just talking about it and being open and just for your podcast too. I think that it's so amazing what you're doing and just get helping other people get their stories out there too. And um I know there are so many people that are benefiting from hearing them. Well, and I would say one of the biggest blessings that has happened because of the podcast is the number of people who have reached out to me directly just to share that they're going through something similar. Um, That touches me on a level that is so close to my heart because I know it's somebody I've never met before on the other side of this planet that's going through a challenge that felt comfortable and trust trusting mm-hmm. in me and mm-hmm. what I'm doing that they felt comfortable enough to reach out and share their lives with me and what they're going through so I appreciate that that that's available and that it does help someone and that's the whole point is to help one person in in anything I'm doing is if it helps one person that make that decision, get through a challenge, helps them see things a little bit differently. That's the whole point. So thank you so much, Laura. This has been amazing. And I I love what you're doing. And and I love the perspective you have coming from the healthcare side 